Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm. Or wherever it is you get podcasts from, we appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive through at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be odd, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Walthall. 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 You know, my, that is the, um, that is where the courthouse is in Webster County, of course, and paid for many a tag there. But just down the road, you can find my uh, father's childhood home. Oh, my grandparents, the Falklands, so to speak. That is in Embry, oh. Mississippi. The Falklands. There's a Falk Road out there. Nice. Um, and Embry, that is right down the road from Walpole. Take Walthall. my horse to the old Falk Road. I'm going to. I've I've been through Walthall Walthall many times. There you go. Oh, hey, wherever you also, are, now, go ahead, go ahead. I just wanted I wanted to thank uh Dalton Lee and his lovely wife for leaving myself and my wife a drink at Strange Brew. That was very nice of them. And speaking Dalton of always that, takes Dalton always takes care of us. Speaking of that, another one of our listeners, John Provenza, has left you a card. He emailed me today. And another one that always takes care of us. Takes care of us. So we appreciate that, guys. Thank you very, very much. And, of course, wherever you are, if you want Strange Brew Coffee, all you got to do is go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and order it to be shipped right to your door. College Corner and College Corner Door. College Corner Door. CollegeCornerStore.com. That's the place to find maroon and white merchandise you can't find just anywhere else. Only College Corner has the biggest and best selection of it in central Mississippi. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. You can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Guys, we are the third, so we are one month away from college football in Starkville, Mississippi. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. Look good, all right? When you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. And maybe you're not playing, but it doesn't matter. Your vibes, the team will catch them. But you can't do that if you're wearing that old ratty polo or if you're wearing that maroon is all that matters shirt. Get rid of it. Get some new stuff. Go to college corner humble taco speaking of places gonna be jumping where the vibes are gonna be happening come football season humble taco near the top of that list the patio will be packed people enjoying great food great drinks and a great time so if that's what you want to do this football season i can't give it a bigger recommendation friday nights saturday nights after you leave you know davis wade stadium or before you get there head over to humble taco get those vibes going early Lunch today, why not Firehouse Subs, grab a sandwich, they're all great. What's one of my favorite ones? My, I'm so basic, right? Everybody's like, oh, they got the hook and ladder, and they got you know, the smokehouse. They got all this other good stuff. I, 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 I get that, but 
the meatball sub is just my favorite thing on the menu there. And that's what I get when I go to Firehouse Hose, which is pretty often. So if you're looking to make a, a great decision for lunch, download the Firehouse Subs app, place your order. They'll be ready within minutes, and then you're piling up reward points. So that's next sandwich might be on the house. Locations in Starkville and Oxford, Columbus and Tupelo, Floyd and Madison. That is Firehouse Subs. We got a big show today. Uh, Trey Shap from 1037 The Buzz will join us in the second half of the show. We're going to talk about Arkansas. Big game for Mississippi State. That's our opponent preview uh, this week. We have two games in the countdown, number 23 and number 24 to get to. But we are going to start. I, I teased this yesterday. So last week on the Andy Staples show, he and uh, he had he and his co-host Ari Wasserman had Ralph Russo on from the Associated Press. Some of you might remember Ralph who was the Associated Press writer here in Mississippi and covered many Mississippi State games uh, back in the, uh, I think, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And one of the topics they debated was this. Ari, if you, if you don't know who Ari Wasserman is, he covers recruiting for the athletic. And he, he is, his mantra, his motto that he lives by is that stars matter. Now, it may seem like that's sort of a, a given, but if you follow recruiting or if you're on message boards, you know that there are a lot of people who try to convince you that stars don't matter, that you can just develop these kids into stars. And that's all that that's, that's you know, rather have three star kid with a five star heart, which is at the end of the day, a load of crap. You'd rather have five star kids and get them out there on the field. We only want kids that are going to be here. They don't want to be bulldogs. We don't want them. We don't want kids who wouldn't take that NIL money. Anyway. So one of the things he talked about on this podcast was he and he, he was referring to Penn State specifically. Evidently, Penn State has a young five-star quarterback on the roster. And they have their veteran, Sean Clifford, who, if you watched him play last year, he's okay. He's a good college quarterback. That might be his ceiling. Good B-plus player. That's a good spot for him. Good little spot. Ari says this, that Penn State, if they feel you – know, this is Penn State, right? Penn State is a program that expects to win 9, 10 games a year. If you're looking at Clifford, you're like, okay, probably an 8-win 10 team. And you're looking, I don't remember the five-star kid's name, and it's kind of irrelevant. But if you look at him, you say, okay, if he starts, they're probably a 7-win team. What's the difference? What's the difference at Penn State? Start the five-star kid and get him experience and get him ready to take your program to another level in the near future. So that's, that's the argument. Here at Mississippi State, we have sort of a similar argument. People have been clamoring for Sawyer Robertson. Uh, Will Rogers, good college quarterback. I think Will Rogers might have a little higher ceiling, but we'll see. But you have a lot of people who want to see <coughs> Sawyer Robertson. So what I'm going to ask is this. and we got to sort of do this in stages, Robbie. Your prediction for Mississippi State, and I hate to give it away before we do the media poll, but we've been pretty consistent, you and I, they, eight and four, correct? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. Right now, I'm sitting eight and four as well as you. If Sawyer Robertson started game one and started all of the games of the season, how different is your projection for Mississippi State? Is it more than a game to the bad? Yes. Okay. I think so I think maybe I think maybe six and six. Six and six. So you, mm-hmm. you don't think it would be seven and five? No. Okay. I, because I think I think Will is going to win you a couple of games mm-hmm. in that are tight. Okay, that he's had the experience to get through that. What Sawyer hasn't had. Okay, 
So then, you know, that obviously, so then what Ari would say is in that situation, especially for Mississippi State, where six and six is not a great season, but eight and four is a pretty good season at Mississippi State. That's an acceptable, everybody's happy kind of season at Mississippi State. He would probably say, stick with the veteran. Mm -hmm. Can you make an argument, though, that Mississippi State should go ahead and look to the future and, and try to keep this kid that we all think is talented? He's the highest rated quarterback that has been signed at Mississippi State in a long, long time. You feel like he's going to be the future, but with the transfer portal and Will Rogers with technically three more years of eligibility, do you go ahead and say, let's take our lumps with the kid this year so that his uh, junior, senior years, he's experienced and he's ready to go and we're not just throwing him into the fire in 2023 or 2024 whenever he's ready to take over. Can you make an argument for that? Uh, I guess you could, but I'm not going to, because I, I think that Mississippi State is better off following the process here with their quarterbacks. And right now you have a guy in Will Rogers that can win you a lot of games, and that is very good in this system. And that might be different for a lot of different programs, but for Mississippi State and where they are with Mike Leach right now, this is a system that they run where it's you have to have a lot of reps in it to feel like you are kind of hitting the the highest peak of it Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's the most important thing is reps the years that you've put in I think that's that's where you're going to get and I guess that's one way to argue in, in favor for Sawyer but I think for Mississippi State's sake it's better for them to have Will Rogers right now in this position Sawyer Robertson underneath him, and I know that there's no, there, there's really no duplicating the experience that you get in the game situations. Mm-hmm. But Sawyer is getting some quality reps right now too, and he, he's going to get them more so in in um, the training camp ahead because he's going to get a, the bulk of the number two reps at practice, and that's where that's where you get a, a lot of this system mm-hmm. done. So I. You know, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna argue for sorry, Robertson getting the reins just just yet. I think if he's good enough, he should be able to knock Will Rogers out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's gonna happen this year. I saw both of them in the spring. I thought Will was still pretty steady ahead of him, mm-hmm. and I just don't think that Sawyer's ready just yet. I think throwing him into the fire right now mm-hmm. would be not really a disaster, but it would be it would be a a quite the uh the hill to climb for this pains. year yeah. yeah and with so, a schedule like they have mm-hmm. it it just wouldn't be worth it i don't think I, I don't think you could justify like you know throwing him in there just to give you maybe a, a win or two more down the line and go like five and seven this year or six and six that, that, i think that, this year they need the to question win you have games. to answer is if and it's it's stuff you have to project you can't know but it's like if you're a Mississippi State fan, would you take six and six this year to go ten and two, ten and two the next two years because you've got an experienced and capable Sawyer Robertson? But that's a gamble. That's a big gamble to, to take. Yeah. And, and I, my I, thing I, is go ahead, go ahead. My thing is Will is running this offense really, really well. It's not like you have a bad quarterback in this system. He set every single record known to man last year. And again, and I know it's it's this is the air raid, but 
I mean, the guy, for what he lacks in arm talent um, in comparison to Sawyer, the decision-making, the, you know, being precise with the football, making sure you're not throwing it to the other team that often, uh, making sure that you're getting it into one of your receiver's hands. I mean, completing 73% of your passes is just an insane number. Uh, so he's doing his job well. He's done a really good job quarterbacking this offense and being in the air raid. So I, I just don't think that there's any kind of justification for pushing Sawyer into that spot right now just for, like I said, maybe you know a couple more wins down the line because Will's still winning ball games. He's still breaking records. Um, and, you know, Sawyer, while – we both believe is probably more talented from our perspective. Who's to say that, you know, he's going to be able to have the same uh, accuracy as, as will make the same decisions as will down the line. I mean, he could be a stronger armed quarterback and be worse than will Rogers. That's just, we don't know that yet. Right. And I guess I should clear my position on this. I, I agree with you. I think state yeah. should stick with the veteran in this because of what you said, the system. The system and the and the, the the repetitions are so valuable that I mean, how many more repetitions does Rogers have than Robertson at this point? You know, you're you're taking a gamble with Robertson. I do think from a tools perspective that Robertson is a little more mobile, a bigger guy, got a bigger arm. I I, I know all that, but in this offense, I just feel like the guy that you trust the most with the football in his hands has a huge advantage. I do disagree with you on one thing. That I don't even if unless Robertson would Robertson would have to be clearly better. We're talking like a whole tier. It's noticeable how much better he is than Rodgers for Mike Leach to make a change. I think if it was close, Rodgers is a little better. Mike Leach would just stick with the veteran. That's just my my opinion on that. So yeah, I'm well, in agreement. I, I would I would do that. I'd probably do that too. Right. If he if he's if if Rodgers is better. I'm going to go with Rodgers. He's got the experience, and he's better. Yeah. Now, if, a, Sawyer, if, if Sawyer's out there throwing 50-yard bombs and is, you know, dropping them in a bucket, then and it's very clear that he's the better quarterback, then then you have an issue if, if he's not going to make that change. But I don't think we've seen enough of that yet from, from Sawyer to make that call. Right. I agree with that. Now here's where I'll play devil's advocate with you. I'm going to take you back to 2013 mm-hmm. with Dak Prescott and Tyler Russell. Russell had a great year the year before in 12. Dak had only shown he was going to be the uh, – what's the word I'm looking third for? Third down back. The third down guy, yeah, the package quarterback. Yep. But it was pretty obvious early in the 2013 season that Dak Prescott was the guy. And yet Mullen sort of went back and forth with them, and, and you know, until Dak got hurt – they, they they never really committed to Dak. It, it always felt like it was like, who's the starter this week? And don't you think it would have been better off if they just been like, Dak Prescott's starting quarterback? No transfer report back then. It's not like Tyler Russell's going to leave in the middle of the season. Well, so, how, much did, how much did Russell play when he got back, when he was, you know, after that, after that um, Oklahoma State game? Mm-hmm. How much did he play? Because, you know, Dak got hurt against A&M. Right. Set out against Alabama. Was Alabama right after AM? I yes. think he set out that game in Arkansas. 
and he and then Russell got hurt against Arkansas, and it was Damian Williams. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much Dak. I mean, was, I, I know, they, I know they they played back and forth. They they did put him in there, but I th- but you know, I mean, you know how that is. Yeah, Tyler Russell did nothing to to lose his job. Mm-hmm. But I remember saying after that Auburn game, you should turn I, the rain. I might have I might have told you or whoever in the press box because we didn't know who was going to start. Wasn't that anything, I wasn't game. at that one, but go ahead. I can't remember, but it it was somebody. I said if they announce Tyler Russell as the starter in this game, people will boo. There will be people in the crowd that will boo, yeah. and not because of Tyler, because of Dak. Because mm-hmm. in that Auburn game, he had kind of won the fan base over. Like this is our guy. Yeah, um, remember, remember them so, on the jumbotron putting both of their pictures up there in the starting lineup videos and stuff like that. I mean. It, they just wouldn't commit to Dak Prescott for whatever well, reason. Not, and, not, and, and not like publicly. I said, with Mullen, you know Mullen was very loyal to his veterans at all times. Yeah, and I think um, I think Leach is kind of very similar. I do too. But yeah. I, you know, I I do think if it's if if Sawyer clearly is better, if he's clearly better, mm-hmm. which I don't think he will be, <clears throat> I don't think he will be. Um, I. I think people really discount how good Will Rogers is. I mean, I, I think we put too much of an emphasis on how far somebody can throw it, how hard they can throw it, and not just a guy that can absolutely get the job done. And that's what he's done. And he's going to be, in, I, I think, I'm a guy that can handle tough situations because he's obviously been in them now for two years. And I think now you're going to see a guy that can win those ball games that they weren't able to win the last couple of years. That's something we don't know yet if Sawyer Robertson can do. One last question, and it sort of bring it back to the original question. If you thought, if you thought that Robertson was only worth maybe one game less, <clears throat> eight and four with Rogers, seven and five with Robertson, do you make the change then and just say, let's go ahead, get him in there and start playing for the future because it's really not that big a deal? If I knew for a fact, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, tough call to bench a guy through for forty eight hundred yards last year. Yeah, I mean, I just it's just that, like you said. I mean, that's it's tough to consider that you're going to have to get rid of Will Rogers when he has he's done nothing to to hit the bench. Right. But if he's like I said, if he's better, if Sawyer Roberts is better, he needs to play. Don't think that's going to be the case. Though. I think Will Rogers. Yeah. We we did all that. It was just sort of an exercise in 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 high you know hypotheticals there. Don't think it's going to be the case. Will Rogers is to be the starting quarterback and is going to put up monster numbers this year. But it's interesting. It's an interesting theory to just say if if if, if year one's a wash, go ahead and get let the young guy play. I, I, I you know I think at, at any other position I'm with you right. Like I was a big fan of playing Jeff Simmons over. Uh, Trying to remember who who the d- the defensive linemen were that year, but like that guy's clearly better than them. Play it, Chris yeah. Jones, sort of the same way. So, yeah, it seemed like animals. it was a, it was it was it was something about Mullen. Like it was so difficult to get freshmen on the field. Remember, Aris Williams couldn't get on the field over Brandon Holloway and Ashton Shumpert, even though he's clearly yeah. clearly better than them. So. Yeah, they were. The, he just did not want to play freshmen. No. He didn't. So. Um, and then, and you know, Leach usually seems that way, but yeah. there's been there's been a 
out of necessity, there's didn't been have a lot any choice of in 2020 when when so many guys you know leave the team and you, you got to do what you got to do. So I think, I think it's like I think all bets are off at like wide receiver and running back for him, like the skill position guys, yeah. like. And then on defense, you know, he don't mess with that. I, right. I just think quarterback is really the the spot that he don't want, and maybe offensive line. Mm-hmm. But you know, he threw Ra Ra out there last year, yeah. and he'll throw a walk on out there. He doesn't care. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a little different for skill position guys. I agree. I agree. All right, good hypothetical discussion there. A little fun, but like we said, Will Rogers is this team's starting quarterback. Um, Let's move on into the second half of the show in our opponent preview. That's brought to you by our friends over at Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. Whatever you're cooking for your family, especially this weekend when you know you're going to be firing up the grill, you want to be looking for beef. So hit up your local uh, grocery stores, talk to your butchers, find out what cuts they've got on special. There's always great stuff to happen when you are talking about beef, steaks, burgers, but there's so much more. With beef. If you're looking for recipes, msbeef.org is the place to find them. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two brothers smoked meats in the heart of the cotton district. I see that our friends in the end zone 11 are doing a thread on, you know, great places to go eat in Starkville. Guess what was number one on that list? Two bros. It was two brothers. Of course. As it should be. As it should be. So, again, you know, football season's coming up. If you've got friends, from uh, Georgia, Auburn, Arkansas, Texas A&M, wherever. They're calling you like, hey, I'm coming to the game. Uh, where should I go? Two Brothers needs to be that first thing out of your mouth. Tell them to head over to the Cotton District and enjoy some smoked southern soul food at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products, great service. It's a promise every business makes, but who delivers on it? Advantage Business Systems does. And you can tell because they've been around for 47 years. Nobody gets to stay open that long. They don't do right by their customers. So when you need new products for your business, copiers, printers, computers, laptops, they've got you covered. And then when service call needs to be made, you're calling somebody here in the state of Mississippi who's going to send somebody from the state of Mississippi to fix your problem. No, Nobody is talking about call centers, 1-800 numbers, and out-of-state contractors with Advantage Business Systems. Their number is 601-362 or 9192. Or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Let's get right into this interview. I talked to Trey Schapp. We've had him on uh, Sports Talk Mississippi a number of times. He he covers the Hogs, uh, much as I do on the radio, for 103.7 The Buzz in Little Rock. Got a great interview with him here. Let's go straight to that. Trey Schapp talking about the Arkansas Razorbacks. The opponent preview series, we are basically in midseason now in a huge game for Mississippi State every year is when they welcome the Arkansas Razorbacks. That's been a game that has turned against Mississippi State the past two seasons. Mike Leach looking to get his first win against the Hogs this year. Trey Schapp from 103.7 The Buzz in Little Rock. We've had him on uh, Sports Talk Mississippi many times. This is his first time on Thunder and Lightning. Man, thanks for joining me. Oh, you bet, Brian. How are you? Man, I'm doing great, getting ready for football season. You know, you know Richard and, and Michael, man, all they want to talk about is realignment and expansion. <laughs> I'm ready to talk about some football, some real football, and so we'll get a little taste of that today. I told you when we talked at Media Days that I'm high on Arkansas this year. I have them second in the West in my Media Day projections. I love Pittman. I love what he's doing there. I love K.J. Jefferson, just a – to old school bulldozer quarterback, but he's a good quarterback too. He can throw the football 
So I need you to be Mr. Negative here. What are your concerns about this Arkansas team? Well, you got to find a way to replace Traylon Burks. And I think, as I told you at SEC Football Media Days, it's not going to be one person that's going to be able, be able to come in and do that. He was a guy that KJ could look to in crucial situations when they needed a first down more times than not. The ball was going to him. The defenses knew that, and he was still able to go up and make a play. So they've got to find a person multiple people that they can go to when they need a first down on third and eight, third and six, uh, third and 12, that they can go to to get the first down because they're not going to be able to run the ball all the time in those situations. I know they're probably going to try and run the ball first because they've got a good stable of backs, and even KJ can run the football. But, Ryan, what I think is finding that go-to receiver – that can go up and make a catch. And Traylon Burks was just incredible at some of the one-handed catches he's made. Uh, It still sticks in my mind sitting there in Bryant-Denny Stadium when they were playing Alabama and watching him catch the ball down the sideline and he cut back across the field. And he outran every five-star defensive back that Alabama had on the field that day for a touchdown. And so Arkansas needs to find someone that can do that, and I know that's uh, easier said than done. And then you mentioned K.J. Jefferson, a guy that I really like. I've made the comment on this podcast a lot of times. If Dan Mullen were still the head coach at Mississippi State, he would have moved heaven and earth to make sure K.J. Jefferson did not go to Arkansas <laughs> and come to Mississippi State. Just a, he, I mean, he just reminds me a lot of, of those Dak Prescott, Nick Fitzgerald-type guys that it can run, can throw the ball but this year, with like you mentioned, with Burks being gone, it feels like he needs to find another level. You know, what is the next level for KJ Jefferson? Well, I think it's to not try to do too much, but play within himself and play with what Kendall Bryles sets the game plan up for. If it's going to be run first, then throw, or if it's going to be throw first, and if it's not there, then run. If it's going to be knowing how long you have in the pocket, then run. I think that's where KJ can can be the guy that leads this team to um, a season that they want to have. And I will say this. This is the first time since Kendall Bryles has been an offensive coordinator that he has a returning starting quarterback back for a second year or for the year after he started a complete season. So that's something to look forward to. The relationship between Kendall Kendall Bryles and KJ I think is one that is is very good and they get along well they like each other and he understands what coach Bryles wants and I think coach Bryles understands what KJ's limitations are um, everybody has limitations whether they are sky high or they're just above ground everybody has limitations and I think Kendall Bryles knows exactly what KJ can and can't do you mentioned Bryles there. I think that you know having him and Barry Odom as, as offensive and defensive coordinators has been a huge part of Sam Pittman's success, the, the way that he has, has allowed them to run his offense or run his defense. Are you surprised they're still in Fayetteville after in year three here? It feels like both of those guys would be head, coach, head coaching candidates all over the country. No, I, I'm really not, and here's why. Sam Pittman can sell ice to an Eskimo. He is a guy that can come in and go into a home and sit down and win over mom and dad before he even wins over a recruit. 
and he's just so personable. And I think they they truly enjoy working with Sam Pittman and the fact that they're being rewarded handsomely when it comes to the paycheck that they get every two weeks or every month, whatever it is that Arkansas pays. Um, so they like Northwest Arkansas. They like Fayetteville. They like Sam Pittman. They get to do their job. Sam Pittman's not a micromanager. He's not in every meeting that they're having saying, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? They get to do their job. And, and I think it, it's, it's been showing and yeah, they've rewarded Sam with, uh, you know, saying, Hey, we're, we're still here. We're a part of this. We want to build this thing and we want to be part of what you're building. The week before this game, the week of October 1st, Arkansas will host Alabama. Ooh. Mississippi State will host Texas A&M. I mean, these, these are huge games. Both of these teams are, are going to be, you know, beat, beat up, up just yeah. to say the least. I mean, even if they both win, they're going to be beat up in these games. How worried from the Arkansas perspective are you for a letdown after playing Alabama at home? Which, if I mean, that has a chance to be a monster game there in Fayetteville if Arkansas can do their early season business. Brian, I was looking the other day. If Arkansas starts 4-0, and we all think Alabama is going to start undefeated as well, mm -hmm. I was looking at the slate of games on that Friday, and I didn't really see a game that really stood out to me anywhere across the country that would have the magnitude of that first Saturday in October mm -hmm. than what would be happening in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Definitely a game day candidate, for sure. I, I would, uh, No doubt. And that's what I was looking for, because... The SEC nations already said, okay, they're going to be at the Cincinnati game to start start the season. Mm -hmm. So is that a game that they come back to, which we've seen them do that before, and have college game day there at the same time? I mean, I think the, the, the college football universe will be focused on that game if both teams are undefeated. And let's say Arkansas, let's say they beat South Carolina by three, three touchdowns. They beat Texas A&M by two touchdowns. They're probably going to destroy Missouri State. And let's say they beat Cincinnati by a couple of scores. Uh, there's going to be a lot of hype around that game, almost as much as when Arkansas and Georgia met last season. And I don't think this year Arkansas would have the letdown that they did at Georgia because they started with two false start penalties and they're backed up. This year the crowd's on their side in a game of that magnitude because it's in Fayetteville. And I think that's one where if Alabama's going to be caught early, that could be the game if Arkansas is undefeated. And then you talk about a letdown going into the next week at Mississippi State. I don't know that there really are letdowns with Sam Pittman as the head coach. I think he's able to get his teams up. But you talk about that stretch there, Brian, the 1st of October with Alabama and Fayetteville at Mississippi State. If they get that one, then they come – back after that game and then they go to BYU that next week on the road in the middle of October so that's that stretch that if there is concern has me concerned what happens say you lose to Alabama then you got a tough one on the road Mississippi State you might lose that one then you got to go to BYU and play at 4,000 plus feet and you might lose that one as well and then the season kind of looks like last year. You started 4-0, then you lost three in a row. You lost to Georgia, Ole Miss, and Auburn. And so here we go again. Are they? And But, hey, they were able to right the ship last year after those three, three losses in a row. If that happens this year, are they able to right the ship? They do have an open date after that game at BYU. I will see your month of October for Arkansas. 
I'm going to raise you Mississippi State's, which is home against Ar- home against Texas A&M, home against Arkansas, at Kentucky, and at Alabama. That's the four month games in the month of, of October for Mississippi State. Just brutal stretches for both of these teams. Yeah, That's yeah. It. I mean, and 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 I think both can lay claim to the toughest schedule in college football. Oh yeah, this season. And when I you mean, when you look at it. Cincinnati I, I and BYU could, could, is non-conference. I mean, that's brutal. Yeah, and Liberty was in a bowl game last year. Yeah. And they're a non-conference team. And, and let's say Missouri State, yeah, FCS. They were in the FCF, FCS playoffs last year. Bobby Petrino's their coach. So there's a lot of history there. Oh, I didn't realize. he comes into Fayetteville. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that in week three. That's that That's something to watch for sure. This game last year in Fayetteville was a fantastic football game. couple of comebacks, last-minute drive for Arkansas, last-minute drive for Mississippi State that they just couldn't finish with the field goal there. And, and these mm-hmm. teams have played great games, you know, the 51-50 game uh, a few years back. Uh, Arkansas came down here in 2016 and put up 58. On, they, these teams have played a lot of high-scoring, high, high-flying football games. And that's not to mention what happens when Arkansas plays Ole Miss, which I consider every year the wackiest college football game of the season. I, I always look forward to it because something always happens. What is it about the Mississippi schools, Trey, that, that you got that you guys up there have these crazy football games? I don't know. I mean, border states and the fact that, you know, Arkansas wants to beat both of them because I guess they feel like if they can beat both of them, then they've got a chance at a very good bowl game. Um, in the years that they've lost to both of them, I don't think they've been to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. So it's just the fact that let's start with the Mississippi State. I think it goes back to 1998. Mm -hmm. Arkansas loses to Tennessee on the road in Knoxville when they were undefeated. Tennessee was undefeated. Sterner fumbles the football. Tennessee recovers. And then they hand it off to Travis Henry, I believe, all the way into the end zone, and they win the ball game. Arkansas has to regroup. They go to Mississippi State. Arkansas and Mississippi State, the winner of that game, more than likely going to go to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Uh, They both tied that year in the West. Arkansas had to suspend their field goal kicker, Todd Latterette, because after the Tennessee game, he got caught, uh, believe, with a DWI or a DUI. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. exactly which one. I don't remember. It was so long ago. But the fact that he wasn't there, helped Mississippi State because Arkansas had to put in their backup place kicker and Arkansas doesn't win that football game. I think if Arkansas wins that game at Mississippi State that year, they go to Atlanta and they get revenge on Tennessee Mm -hmm. and they win that game. And Tennessee might not be the national champion that year. So I think it goes to that. And then the fact that, yes, you you do have some crazy games there. um, But the really – I guess with Sam Pittman, what gets looked at as of late is the fact that Mississippi State went down to LSU and just destroyed the defending national champs. Mm-hmm. Yes, they didn't have Joe Burrow. They, they didn't have some of their stars from that national championship team, but they're coming back to Starkville and all the hype over this, and this is the COVID year. The stands weren't full, so there weren't, you know, 60,000-plus cowbells ringing when Arkansas went in there. Right. Arkansas wins by a touchdown. Arkansas hadn't won an SEC game in forever, and they win by a touchdown. And I think you could kind of see the the the, the, the state players and fans kind of hanging their heads like, oh, my gosh, we lost to Arkansas. I think Arkansas was below Vanderbilt at the time. When you look at the 14 team teams in the league and where people put them, 
And so it's kind of revived that rivalry because Arkansas was getting beat by everybody. Yeah. You know, at the end of Bielema and Chad Morris's two years here at Arkansas. So I think that, that it's become more of a rivalry. And I remember, I, you know, there was a tie game one year at War Memorial Stadium when Mississippi State and Arkansas were in the league. There were games. I remember a Brett Bielema game, I believe, in 2013, where everybody thought Arkansas would win the game at War Memorial Stadium, by the way. And, oh, I think Mississippi State came in and won the game, if memory serves me correct. Correct. So it's just been one of those crazy things. And then you look at this Ole Miss series, and it goes back to the games in Little Rock and Jackson before they were even in the SEC. Uh, They played in the Sugar Bowl once, I believe. And just the the history that they are so close and, you know, they fight for players from each state, Arkansas and Ole Miss does, and even Mississippi State. But you look at the seven overtime game that Matt Jones won, and we had David Cutcliffe on down at SEC Football Media Days, and he said, if I would have had a gun that day, I would have shot Matt Jones. Just just to take just to take him out so that we could have won that football in the leg. In the leg. In not, the leg. Not, yeah, not yeah, the yeah. yeah. Right, right. In the leg, you know, just to yeah, take one of his legs out. He'd probably still run faster than half of the half sure. the guys out there on one leg. But just, you know, just an, an epic, epic college football game. And then Cutcliffe was like, you know, what do you go tell the team after they've given it all they have for seven overtimes and you come up on the losing end? He goes, that's the hardest speech I've ever had to give to a team after a game. What, what do you go tell your guys? Yeah. And so – you know, that game was just epic. Um, there have been times when it looks like Ole Miss is finally going to break through, Brian. They're finally going to get to Atlanta, but they stumble somewhere. And then it seems and to be five happens. Exactly. It seems to be the Arkansas game mm-hmm. where they stumble. I mean, I go back and I've watched fourth and 25 so many times that for Hunter Henry to even just think about heaving the ball backwards. There was no way that was even thought of in a, in a play. Yeah. Why would he even think about that? And for it to bounce right up into Alex Collins's hands, and then he's got a wide angle to get the first down, and then a lot of people don't remember. He thought, Alex Collins thought they needed to score on the play, so he tries to lateral it after, as he's going down to the ground to another teammate who happens to just luckily fall on the football past the first down marker because if Alex Collins just goes down, they're going to get the first down. Right. But he thought they had to score. So think about that. His lateral, that would have been, that's the second lateral on the play. Yeah. What if it doesn't fall into a Razorback hands and Ole Miss picks it up? Then, Let's not know, think about then, that. So I think well, about I, a, I'm just saying, ball. I mean, it, yeah. it's part of the game. And I mean, you look at the pictures, the steel photos where when, when Hunter's heaving the ball backwards, Hugh Freeze is over there jumping the up field. like we've got it one. Yeah. And lo and behold, it's like it's like calling a calling a putt in golf. Hey, it's in the hole before it's in the hole. So, so much fun to relive that game. Every, oh, every man. I get I mentioned it. I made a, a joke to Richard Cross one time. I think it was when. uh Hunter Henry's brother plays for Arkansas, right? Or at least signed for, with Arkansas. Is that correct? Hey, hey, Hayden Henry, his yeah. two brothers played. Yeah, Hayden okay. Henry it was a linebacker last year. but he's, I think it was Hayden. And I, I made the comment that you know when he signed, he's like, oh, they, they convinced him to sign. Because Richard May is like, I wonder why he went to Arkansas. 
And I said, they convinced him that the, he would be allowed to throw one-fourth and 25 lateral a year. And Richard, Richard threw a, a bottle of Clorox wipes at me. I'll never forget. Uh, That's this, great. This game, this particular game, Mississippi State-Arkansas, th- these are two teams. I think State's underrated in the West. I think Arkansas, I don't know if they're going to challenge Alabama, but I think they have a chance to be a Peach Bowl, Orange Bowl kind of team. With they'll a, take a, that right now. Oh, they'll, they'll take they, that right now and not play the year. Sam, Sam Pittman, tell Sam Pittman I, I'm high on him this year. But I will do that. This game in particular, what's the key to it for you for Arkansas? Well, I think, and and this is obviously going to be the sixth game of the season. So let's 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 look at it from that perspective as well, Brian. How healthy is Arkansas? How healthy is Mississippi State? You know, Arkansas lost Jalen Catalan in the Texas A&M game last year. He already had a banged-up shoulder. He broke his hand the first half, came and played in the second half with a broken hand, and then they're just like, hey, we need to shut you down. He's back. If he's healthy and he's playing on defense and, and at, at the second, you know, the safety position, that's a guy you've got to watch out for. I think Arkansas has been able to shore up the defensive line, um, so that could be – an issue, but one thing that that Mississippi State has always been known for is big offensive lines, and so I think can Arkansas slow down the Mississippi State running game? Can they? They're going to be used to the tempo that Mike Leach likes to run because Kendall Browse likes to run that. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's going to be an issue in the game. Um, but I, I go. It's probably going to come down. I'm going to say this. I think this game comes down to special teams, and I think. Arkansas has the upper hand because of Cam Little. And I'm not going to say that to spite the Mississippi State kicker who missed field goals uh, last season, but I want to you know, point out what Cam Little did after the game. Cam Little went over and put his arm around him and said, hey, man, keep your head up. You're a great kicker. You know, sooner or later, you, I mean, you're going to be in a situation again and you're going to make that kick. You're going to make those kicks. It might be that second weekend of October in Starkville, Mississippi, where he kicks one through the uprights and the Bulldogs beat the Razorbacks. I, th- I think that game a season ago is why State went into the transfer portal to find a new kicker for this upcoming season. So we'll True. see. Special teams, yeah. In a close game, special teams play can always be a huge factor. We will see on – Well, our- yeah, I mean, and, and hey, Mike Leach threw him under the bus in the yeah. press conference too. No, he did. He didn't. He said it's time for open kicker tryouts. And he had him. He had him. So yeah. we'll see what happens October 8th uh, here in Starville. Trace Shap, man. Appreciate it. Really good stuff. I always, always like your time. And uh, thanks for coming on with me, man. You bet. Thanks. All right. Thanks to Trey. Appreciate his time. This is a huge game for Mississippi State. And as I mentioned in the interview, Robbie, coming off of the Texas A&M, this is a, the month of October is a killer for Mississippi State. At home with AM, at home with Arkansas, at Kentucky, at Alabama. You got to be two and two. And that's that's the that's the floor. You can, if you're one and three, it's gonna it's gonna be difficult to have any kind of confidence in having an eight win season because you still have Georgia, and then in the front end of that you had LSU, and the back end of that Ole Miss is sort of waiting on you there. State has to be two and two, and in reality, they need to get Arkansas back into the win column where it was for all those years under Mullen and Moorhead. Yeah, that, they really let two games slip away, I and mean, they they definitely should have won in 2020. Last year, if you have a kicker, you win that ball game. Those games have been winnable. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the fact that you have such an experienced team coming back and it's back at home, I like State in this ball game, but it's not a game that is a, you know, a given. It's not a game that right. 
State's going to run up, you know, uh, a 40-point win or whatever it was whenever Chad Morris was here. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be a difficult game. And you have – Arkansas has the most important thing that a team needs, an experienced veteran quarterback that's been really successful in this league and, and K.J. Jefferson. And, you know, that, I'm sure that he is when, – when this ball game's played, that he's motivated to play Mississippi State. There's a team that State treated him like the, the second guy in the class. He was their he was their number two guy, basically, at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Didn't make him a priority, and he's gone to Arkansas and he's had a lot of success. So I'm sure this game means a lot to him, just like it does at Ole Miss. And, um, you know, I'm really interested to see what Arkansas does without Traylon Burks. They were so reliant on him last year um, in the passing game. But um, I thought that they were – I thought that the the play calling that they had last year offensively, you know, they have a dynamic play caller. Uh, they have two really good coordinators, and, and you know they're going to be coached up really well. So uh, they're going to have a, a good offense, I think. Um, and then you have a, a quarterback like K.J. Jefferson that can beat you with his legs and his arm. It's going to be a tough team to game plan for, but I, I really feel like State is able to get this one. You mentioned Traylon Burks. What a tremendous player. Uh, for Arkansas a, a season ago and and kind of single-handedly got this team into the end zone on that final drive, made a yeah. lot of big plays in that game, had uh, just five catches for 63 yards, but every one of those catches it felt like was big. He also rushed the ball three times for 39 yards. State had and State, had and State got screwed late in the game. They did. They but did. they really shouldn't have been in that position. They shouldn't have. They, I mean, again, but again, if you could just make field goals, you know, you, it's not it's not an issue for you. But Arkansas, their running game was really good against Mississippi State last year. Rushed for over two hundred yards in this game. Rogers was sharp in this game. He threw a, a pick early, but thirty six of forty eight for four hundred and seventeen yards. He also put together one of the most miraculous last second drives I've ever seen to get State into field goal range. What they they throw it three times. And got fifty plus yards in like fifteen seconds, something like that. I mean, it was a really impressive. Not never mind two minute drill, thirty second drill for Mississippi State. They had a chance to tie the game and put it into overtime. State showed a lot of, of uh, character in this game. I mean, they came from behind. They were losing on the road. Chance to the ball, ball game could have gotten away from them. They overcame some early mistakes and, and made it a ball game and had the lead. You know, with less than a minute to go. But this this game is crucial for Mike Leach. We've talked so much about the Egg Bowl and how important it is for Mississippi State to get that win, and, and it is. But I think this game is almost equally important. One of the reasons that Dan Mullen had so much success and one of the reasons that Joe Moorhead was able to get to two bowl games was you could count on Arkansas as a win on that schedule. Mullen also had it with Kentucky, not so much with Moorhead. He split with them. You have to be able the, – the, Arkansas is a team that, from a recruiting perspective, recruits at about the same level year in and year out as Mississippi State. They don't dominate you with talent the way that, Ar- the way that Alabama and the way that Texas A&M and Auburn should, but they don't. So State has to find a way to get this game back and swing it back into the win column. If you want to be an eight-plus win team, beating Arkansas is, is a key to that. I don't see a path for State to get to eight wins if they lose this game at home. Yeah, this is this is huge. This is a game that we're counting as a win, but I'm not 100% confident in Mississippi State winning this ball game. It's going to be tough. I just think State is able to pull this one out with it being at home mm-hmm. and having the experience that they have returning. 
Mm-hmm. But you're exactly right. This is a key in them getting to eight wins. I, I just don't see them making up another game in there somewhere because we, we're accounting on well, – outside of Kentucky, we're accounting on the games that are reasonable for Mississippi State. I the agree. Kentucky games, the other kids toss up, and really LSU too. But yeah. I just don't feel com- as confident enough in those ball games as I do in this Arkansas game. So I did a, a calculation. We are one week behind on these opponent previews, but do we really care about Bowling Green that much? I say no. So next week we'll do Texas A&M, and then we'll jump straight to LSU, Arizona, and then it'll be week game week when we talk about uh, the Memphis Tigers. So Texas A&M next week, another huge game for the Bulldogs in October. Let's jump. Speaking of huge games, let's jump into our countdown. We'll wrap things up here. We got two games to talk about today. Number twenty-four. The first game I attended as a Mississippi State student. Mississippi State defeats Tennessee in 1994, 24-21. A game sort of notable because it was Peyton Manning's first real uh, action with the Volunteers. So, of course, you had. I always thought it was ironic that his first game was against Mississippi State considering his family and, and who his dad was and everything. And it took about three throws for me to realize this kid is unbelievably good. I think his third pass was a 65-yard rope to Joey Kent. I was just like, oh, oh, darn. Darn, he's really good. I was hoping that would not be the case. Um, Todd Helton was the quarterback. Todd right? Helton he was got, the starting He was he their second-string quarterback. Their first-string quarterback got hurt against UCLA in the season opener, Kid named our guy named Jerry Colquitt. Uh, he had been a veteran who had been sitting the bench. It was finally his time, and then he gets hurt in the first game. How many Colquitts did they have at Tennessee? Uh, a lot. Uh, apparently, they had the like, punters, and then like their dad, I think, played. It's like having uh well, this guy is not related to them, but but it's uh, just it, weird. It's kind of like uh, Strong's and Jerry's at Ole Miss. So there's just a lot of them. Um, State comes back to win this game late. For they uh, fourth quarter, uh, they they get a turnover, drive down the field, and of course, Kendall Watkins, the biggest tight end that ever lived, catches a touchdown pass with just a few seconds remaining. Uh, place goes crazy. Uh, Eric Molds was Eric Molds in this game, had some huge catches, including some big ones on that final drive. I remember getting really mad on that last play because it was as they as, as Tate, Derek Tate rolls out to throw. I'm just like, give the ball to Michael Davis, just give it to the 230 pound guy and let him drag guys into the end zone. But this shows what I know worked out in the end. So, really, it was a fun game back at the old 11 30. I think this may have been uh, the game might have still been on TBS at this point, but it was definitely the eleven thirty game uh, in, in Davis Way or at just Scott Field at the time, and uh, a lot of fun. State and Tennessee, you know, they don't play they don't play each other very often. They played each other. I want to say each of the or three of the first four or four or five years that Jackie Sherrill was here, and then didn't play each other again for for quite a while. But always fun when the Volunteers come. I thought this was a fun game, great win for the Bulldogs to uh, to look back on. What year did they beat them in Knoxville? Was that 92? What year was that? Beat Tennessee in Knoxville? Yeah. That was 86. 86. That was Felker. Don Smith. Yeah. That was Felker, Don, yeah. Don Smith. That's right. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking 92. No. But yeah, that because Don Smith had the big touchdown run. That he did. That he did. I was negative three years old. That game. That game's coming up on the countdown. Don't worry about that. Uh, number 23. Not a great season. And this game is really an outlier. 
But how can we not rank Mississippi State 44, LSU 34 to kick off the 2020 season? Oh, my God. You and I had the pleasure of watching that game together with Joel Coleman, and our collective response to this game was, what? What just happened? I remember like what is happening with it. Like he, he went over four hundred yards and then yeah. five hundred yards. I'll tell you my favorite moment of of of, of <clears throat> watching that game with you two was when I saw the tweet and I, I read it out loud to you. I was like, "Hey, he just broke the uh, all time SEC single game passing record." And you looked at me and you were like, "That's not possible." You said that like, Mississippi State. Yeah, it's like that's not possible. That can't be the record. That can't be right. And I was like. The record is 544 yards. He just got ahead of that. And you were you were in disbelief. You were, you were like, it's not possible. I've never seen anything like that game. I doubt we ever will again. It was a perfect storm of an offensive game plan and a defensive coordinator who was not prepared in the slightest for that. It, it really did look at times like Pelini had watched the film of Moorhead and said, I guess they're still running the same offense. I think he just thought like this. Uh, I'm not scared of of Mike yeah, Leach. I mean, he's not going to work in this league. I have more talent than he does, and he thought that they were just going to bum rush state, and, and it just didn't happen. I mean, and even if Derek Stingley, if, if Derek Stingley had played in this game, I don't think it's that different. I mean, State just kept because State had guys open all over the field. They would have just avoided Stingley. Well, that's how the that's how the air raid looks when you have a man man on man defense. Yeah, which that's how never it see looks. again. Well, never see a team go. Strictly the reason I disagree it. with that is I think if they implement a few things that will make the quarterback dangerous with his legs, yeah, well that's different. You're yeah. going to pull them out of that, and that's why that's why I'm encouraged with the recruitment of Chris Parson and yeah. Trey Petty. Maybe something will change. For a brief moment in time on that Saturday, Mississippi State was the best team in the country, and KJ Costello was going to win the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> I mean, that, there was a moment in time there where you're just like. Oh my gosh, this offense can't be stopped. Yeah. And they're going to win a lot of games. You know, and then the next week you played a team that hadn't won an SEC game in two years and, and they totally scoped you. They you ended, the, you ended the nation's longest winning streak and the SEC's longest losing streak in, in back, two weeks. Win. I'll never, uh, what, a, what, a, what an up and down. That's the life of a Mississippi State fan. But this game was a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, from a fun perspective, Watching your team throw for 632 yards, all the big plays. This was not a dink and dunk game. This was a game where they were consistently 20, 30 yards down the field, a lot of run after the catch. This was, was a fun. really – go ahead. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. and I, This I remember, is what Dan Mullen meant by spread the fun. There you go. There you go. All right, so that's, uh, that's our number 23 game of all time, Mississippi State 44, LSU uh, 34. Tomorrow's game, we'll give it a tease. Dak as the closer. We'll, we'll say that. Dak as the closer. There you go. All right. That's our Friday. That'll be on our Friday show. Plenty to talk about. You know, camp about to start. Maybe some last-minute things to talk about there. Also, hope you guys tuned in to Thunder and Lightning live last night on uh, on Super Talk. Fun first show for me. And uh, looking forward to doing it every uh, every week on Wednesday, 6 o'clock. Next week, I've already lined it up. I've been sort of feeling my oats lately, Robbie. I've been feeling good about myself. So I'm going to have Coach Zach Arnett on. He's going to put me in my place. That, as you should. We can't there let we that head get too big. There we go. So Coach Zach Arnett, my next guest on Thunder and Lightning, live every Wednesday, 6 o'clock on Super Talk. 
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. I appreciate it. Robbie appreciates it. We'll be back with you tomorrow. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.